Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. I'll be reading from verses 38 through 42. Often when I preach a sermon, someone at the door will say, you were preaching that sermon right to me this morning, weren't you? Or sometimes they'll say, you were preaching that sermon right to my spouse, weren't you? And I say, well, you weren't listening? But I'm going to make a little confession this morning. This sermon is being preached to me, and uh, maybe some of you can relate. I know you will. So we're going to read a short little story here about Jesus visiting Martha and Mary. So I'll start verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we pray this morning by your Spirit that you help us to learn from Martha, help us to learn from Mary, most importantly, help us to learn from Jesus. For we desire, like Mary, for our souls to be fed, to take advantage and to savor those moments. We ask this now in Christ's name, amen. The week before Vacation Bible School, we had our Club H2O surf camp for 4th, 5th, and 6th grade students. That means five days of skits, singing, Bible study, small groups here at church, and then off to Doheny State Park for surfing, kayaking, crafts, snacks, and games. You already want to sign up for next summer, don't you? It's a great time. So each day, the children and leaders are expected to bring their own bag lunch. Except for Friday, 
It's McDonald's Friday. The kids are told to bring money, about $10, for their lunch at McDonald's, and you might as well tell them they are going to Disneyland. They are bouncing off the walls when they know they're going to McDonald's. So Friday came, and we all showed up at McDonald's at about 12.30 p.m. with almost 40 children and adults. Yes, pray for me often when it comes around that time. Picture, if you will, a fast food restaurant with about 40 children, high schoolers and college students, all wearing the same Club H2O t-shirt, standing in line and talking and laughing away. You know what the noise level is at that point? Now as I watched the door, I noticed that almost every person, it didn't matter what age they are, who walked through that door took one look at the line and what do you think they did? They got out of there. They turned around and left. And I noticed when they walked through the door, it's kind of fun for me, when they'd walk through the door, some of them would have a sigh. <sighs> some of them would just roll their eyes like, are you serious? And there were a couple of people that actually got angry, frustrated as they left. There was one couple that looked to be in their mid-60s. They took one look at the line. The wife looked at her husband, and he, she smiled. They both shrugged their shoulders, walked all the way in, went to the back of the line, and they waited patiently. Thirty minutes later, as I walked by their table, they took me over to the side and they said, you look like you're the one in charge. <laughs> What's coming now? I am, I said. They said, tell us about your group, and I did. And then they said something that I will never forget, and I wrote down when I got home. She said, waiting in line behind your group made us so happy. Listening to the children, hearing their laughter, their stories, their jokes, the excitement of what they were going to order from the menu, it brought us such joy. Joy that we needed today. It reminded us of our own grandchildren. The last time we saw them was spring break, and we missed them so much. And we just decided right here, right now at this table, that when we get home, we're going to call them, and we're going to invite them out here for a week of their summer, and we're going to pay for everything. So let's just say, waiting in that line today, Pastor, was well worth it. I'd like to call that this morning a sacred moment. Now, as I mentioned, I'm going to make a confession, and maybe some of you can relate to me. If I walked through that door, do you know what I would have done? I probably would have walked right back to my car. And I would have gotten in my car, and I would have driven hurriedly to Del Taco or Subway to grab a quick lunch maybe even grumbling under my breath, I can't believe all those people were there. They took 10 minutes from my busy day. Now, why is that? What has happened? What's happened to us? Could it be that we have become so busy, so driven, 
so convinced that we need to keep moving and doing that it's become difficult for us to just slow down, to wait in a line, to sit still, to listen and savor a moment, maybe a potential sacred moment. I saw a bumper sticker recently that said, you better look busy, Jesus is coming back soon. (laughs) So what's led to all of this busyness? It appears that our culture values the attitude of getting things done, getting as much possibly done in the shortest amount of time. And I think we've bought into it as a society, hook, line, and sinker. Have you noticed that we're driving faster, walking faster, texting faster, talking faster? We're even eating faster. When was the last time that you really savored the taste of a meal? And why are we in such a hurry so that we can get more things done? And have you ever asked yourself, to what purpose am I in such a hurry? I read sometime somewhere ago, that it looks as though Americans are becoming increasingly convinced that they can find their value, even their kids' value, in all of their busyness. I would say we're no longer becoming, we have arrived. And that's not where I want to be. Is that where you want to be? I don't want to be there. I want to be like that couple at McDonald's who intentionally, and it took one of them, if you noticed, to intentionally slow down to listen, to capture, to savor the moment, to learn from it, so they could enjoy a sacred moment. Now, this being our hope, there's a valuable lesson for us to learn from this Bible passage this morning. So we should ask first, what is the context of this passage? Jesus was either on his way to or from Jerusalem. And by this time, he had quite a following. We know that he had his 12 apostles. There would have been the 70 other disciples who were commissioned earlier in chapter 10. These 70 were to go before him into a town to prepare for his ministry. In addition, there's women and men disciples who had believed Jesus' message and now were following him. There were those who were healed and fed, and they were following, and others who just tagged along out of interest of this man of fame. So by the time that Jesus gets to Bethany, are you catching on? To the home of Mary and Martha, there's got to be at least 200 people with him. And to add to it, in the Near Eastern culture, hospitality is of high value. Much of the town of Bethany would have shown up at this home, and what would they have expected when they showed up at this home? Food and drink and hospitality. That's a lot of pressure to be put on the person hosting this party. So here's Mary and Martha, who are close friends with Jesus. Some writers have said that they were like a family to Jesus, along with Lazarus, that they were his support group, his support family. And here comes Jesus with all of these people walking into Bethany, making their way to a house for a meal. It was like a homecoming. 
It's a big deal for Mary and Martha that Jesus is showing up. And then Jesus walks into the home. Martha? Let's not be too hard on Martha. But Martha, what she's doing, she is working, and she is working really hard as any host or hostess would do in such a situation. And Martha, you know you felt this way before when you've looked around, Martha's the one working, and she looks over at Mary, who is sitting at Jesus' feet, and what is she doing? She's listening, she's learning. What happens in Martha's mind? That's it. That's it. The fairness doctrine has been broken. And Martha's reaction, she's resentful, frustrated, and anxious. She has convinced herself that what she is doing is more important than her being. She's found herself more concerned with impressing all of these people with her preparation, with her serving, even trying to impress Jesus with all of this, rather than taking notice of who is in her home. Jesus, the Son of God, is in her home. So somehow in Martha, all of her motives have gotten mixed up. There's a sacred moment right before her and she can't slow down to savor the moment. It must have been about seven years ago, and Jennifer and I, we had walked down the block to celebrate our anniversary at our favorite restaurant, Rumari Restaurant. And just as we were seated at our table, we glanced over at a family of four that walked into the restaurant. Mom and dad, son and daughter, Right after they ordered their drinks, something happened that made my jaw drop. It was like watching synchronized swimmers in the Olympics. The son opened up his iPad at the table, and he started to play a video game. And then the daughter pulled out her cell phone, and it was clear that she was texting probably one of her friends. And then the mom pulled an iPad out of her purse and she was just searching away. And then the father looked at the three of them and he just went ahead and pulled out his iPhone and it looked as though he was probably reading some emails. The drinks came, then the dinner, then the dessert. Not one word was spoken at that table. The dad finally said, let's go. And they got up and they left. My wife and I looked at each other and we said, never. That is never going to happen at our dinner table. And from then on, we've made sure that our sons know the phones are away. We are here to savor this time and to talk with one another. And we often think back to that family, that there is a potential sacred moment possible at that table, and it was squandered, gone forever. And so Mary, she's got it right here. She had learned to pause from her usual duties, her routine, in order to listen to Jesus. She knew that what would last and what would feed her soul, she understood there was a time to work. And folks, there's a time to work. There's a time to serve. But there's a time when to slow down 
and to listen and to learn. And by slowing down and recognizing the moment, she was able to drink of the living water, to eat of the bread of life, truly a most sacred moment. So there's a story I read some time ago that I often have to remind myself of so that I can become more like Mary. I read it in a book called Becoming by Jim Branch, and I've read this story, and I've read this book now at least three times. Maybe it will help you. He tells the story of a friend of his who was a cardiologist. His doctor friend told him that in emergency situations at the hospital, he's trained himself never to run. If he ran, he would be out of breath and his adrenaline would take over. He wouldn't be clear-minded to make the right decisions. So rather, he's learned to walk and found that when he arrives, that he is thoughtful and composed, ready to save a life. He knew that the life of the patient depending upon him slowing down. So I'll find myself walking from the church parking lot to church or from one meeting to another, and I find myself walking very fast, and I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just slow down. Jesus. Notice how Jesus answers Martha when she brings her complaint before him. By the way, do you notice that she thinks Jesus is going to take her side? A little triangulation going on there. So we might expect a harsh rebuke if we don't know a whole lot about Jesus, and that's okay. But rather, Jesus lovingly teaches Martha a lesson. She is his disciple, and she is to grow in her faith. He wants her to grow in her faith, her her love for him. He wants Martha to have a healthy relationship with God, with herself, and with others. And so like a physician, he sees the potential illness in her and he wants for Martha to be made well. And so he gives her the remedy. He invites Martha to notice when it's time to stop working and to slow down. Martha, you've got to savor this moment. I'm right before you. Especially when he's in the house. And he's teaching her when we learn to slow down, we just might see what's of more value. He's teaching her the way of love and life in Him. So as you think back on those sacred moments in your life with God, with family, and with others, have you noticed they have tended to happen when you've slowed down? Which is exactly what that couple did at McDonald's. Have you noticed that it's often taken someone to encourage you to recognize the moment is right before you? Just like the wife at McDonald's who gave her husband that code, that smile, to lead him to the back of the line. Often God does that. He brings people alongside us to tell us to slow down. Last summer, my wife and I were driving in my golf cart. You ever see me driving through town in my golf cart? We were driving to the Sawdust Festival. We were going there to have some dinner and to visit with our two sons. They're working at the Sawdust Festival, and they got such a kick out of thinking that they were going to show us around to be the tour guides. We were looking forward to it. And as I was driving down Glenary, I must have been driving really fast. I must have looked like I was in a hurry. And my wife, who's never shy to tell me how she thinks, 
she turned to me and she said, whoa, 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 what's the hurry? You need to learn to slow down. You need to learn to drive this thing like you're on vacation. And whenever I drive through Laguna, I always tell myself, just drive like you're on vacation. She wanted us to savor the moment. I had my wife sitting right next to me on the way to Sawdust to see my friends and to see my sons so that maybe there would be a sacred moment before us. So I want to leave you this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning with this. Slow down today. Maybe just take a deep breath right now. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. Savor a meal today. Savor a conversation with a family member or with a friend. Maybe force yourself to wait in a line so you learn to be patient. Maybe it's looking up from the ground and looking up and around and to see God's creation around you and above you. Maybe it's to slow down and to worship for the rest of this service this morning, to listen and to learn. Slow down. Lord, teach us, help us by your Spirit to slow down and savor the moment. 